Okay, we're still in Psalm 91. We'll probably be there another week or two. I don't know. Uh, Psalm 91. Somebody said, isn't it Psalms? I said, no, it's Psalm. It's just one Psalm. What does what, what Psalm mean? Psalm, right? It's a song. So these, when you read these, you think, well, I wonder what the tune was to that. Uh, but it, it, this is a Psalm. So it's Psalm 91. And we started last week, and we just covered two whole verses. But those two verses laid the foundation for the rest of this Psalm. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty, right? And then it says, he shall say. When we talked about the importance of saying. So we talked about the importance of dwelling first. You, you can't dwell until you get saved. You can't dwell. You, you can hang out. You can, you can do whatever you want to. You can read your Bible. You can do all these things. But you cannot dwell with God until he comes and lives in you. Okay, so salvation is key for you to dwell. And we had some people get saved last week. Amen? Isn't that awesome? And uh, so I put it, it was like the, the emergency call at the invitation, the 911 call. And somebody, there was an emergency here, and this young lady needed Jesus. And she gave her life to Christ, and she's getting baptized next week, Lord willing. So, and we had a salvation in the in unshakable. That's right. God is moving, guys. He's moving. And so... Uh, we started with that, he who dwells, and then we talked about the power of our words when we said that we shall say, I will say of the Lord. And then we talked about the names of God. There were four different names of God mentioned in Psalm 91, 1 and 2. And they were Elion, the Most High, Shaddai, the Almighty, Yahweh, the one true God, and Elohim, the Supreme God. So we, we spoke, when we say, I'm going to dwell, listen, this is who you're dwelling in. This is who you're dwelling with. And this is who you're saying of. You're saying of the Most High God, the Almighty, the Most Powerful. There's none like Him. There's none above Him. He's it. Creator of the universe. That's who we dwell with. Can, I know we can't comprehend that in our finite minds. I, I understand that. It's just, that's why He says, press in. That's why He says, come on, get closer to me. Draw near to me. Because we, we can't really fathom what that's like. You know, we can talk about heaven, and we can I can tell you what it says in Revelation about heaven, but Lee Haney can tell you exactly what heaven looks like. I can't, but he can. And many of you know, many of your loved ones that have gone on to be with Jesus, they, they know what heaven's like. All we can do is dream and imagine and, and read Scripture, but we don't know because it's beyond us. See, God... here and you think you're just going to be in a place where you don't cry anymore and there's no sin and there's no sorrow. Listen, that's just a drop in the bucket. It's going to be so incredible. So we have to learn to dwell. We have to learn to change the way we speak. And then it says in verse 3 where we're starting today, and this is the, 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 the title of the sermon, surely he shall deliver. Surely he shall deliver who? You. Say me. Surely he shall deliver you and me from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. Because of where we dwell. Now, what that, where we abide, and, and abide means to what? Remain. To stay there. Okay, that's what we're singing, stay. Because of where we abide, uh, how we abide and how we remain, and who we dwell in, the Most High, the Almighty, the One True God, the Supreme God, then surely he shall deliver you. Now, that word deliver means... He will rescue you. He will save you. What does he rescue us and save us from? The snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. The snare of the fowler and the perilous pestilence. That's our first two points this morning. Number one is the snare of the fowler. 
Because that's not usual, that's not normal language for us, the snare of the fowler. And actually, a snare is a trap. Anybody ever, any hunters in here that, besides David Hicks, I know he sets traps, uh, that set traps, try to catch prey, okay? I always remember, I always think of a snare or a trap is when I was watching the, the back when I was a kid, watching the Tarzan movies. Remember they'd always, they would dig a hole in the ground and they would put bamboo over it and then they would put all that stuff and so that would, the dude would be running along and all of a sudden he, he's gone, you know, he drops down and, and now the modern movies, they drop down into spikes and they're, you know, they're mangled for life. But a, a snare is something that is, is hidden. It's like camouflage. You, it's, it's, it's hard to see. So the prey, the, the bird or the animal or whatever you're trying to catch, that they're caught unawares. So he says this. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler. Now, snare is an interesting word also because when you look it up in context, just type, how many of you like to do word searches? Because computers make it really easy, right? And I just typed in snare in the New King James Version. In most every verse it came up, it had to deal with false gods, false idols. The snare. And I thought, well, that applies here. The snare of the fowler. We're going to talk about the fowler in a minute, the hunter. But the snare of the fowler, the snare is, if the, well, let me read a scripture for you. I've got it here. It's Exodus 34, 12. It says, take heed to yourself, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land where you're going, lest it be a snare in your midst. See, the Israelites were really bad about intermarrying and getting outside of what God said. This is the boundaries I've set for you. They would get outside the boundaries all the time. And all of a sudden, they would find themselves worshiping the gods of the people that they were inter interacting with or in the land that they were going into. And they would give up on their God and start serving other gods. The snare. Now, how does that happen for us today? I mean, like... Uh, I have not been in, I, nobody's got me to bow down to Buddha. I am not worshiping false idols. Well, we've talked about American idols just a few weeks ago. But how does that happen? Sometimes it just happens with association. You start hanging out with somebody and they don't believe like you do, but they start telling you how they believe and you start seeing their lifestyle and all of a sudden you're moved a little bit away from the Lord and you've been a little bit closer to an idol. We do that all the time. That's why the Bible says to be careful about who you associate with. See, I think it's bad company corrupts good habits, right? So you've got to be careful who you're associated with. You've got to be careful who your friends are. You, get, you have to be careful who you're dating. You know, I, I remember back when we were younger and there was this program out about, you know, everybody would get a promise ring. You'd promise not to, to uh, kiss until you got married or have sex or anything like that. And, and there was this program out there trying to teach people uh, the, the right way to live their life and how that would be who you're associated with, and people go off and, oh, I'm going to do that, I'm going to be true to that, and all of a sudden, the next thing you know, they're dating somebody that, man, that ring is gone, and that guy's snapped them up, and they've fallen for the snare. You've got to be careful about your, who you associate with. All of you that got teenagers are going, yep, that's right. <laughs> right? See, a snare is something that you're not necessarily looking for. Anybody ever get blindsided by somebody that, man, you never thought something like that would come out of their mouth? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like a snare. It just catches you off guard. Off guard. You're camouflaged. But the snare is set by who? The fowler. What's a fowler? 
What's a fowler? Anybody know? It's a hunter. It's a hunter. If you're trying to catch a bird, you're probably a hunter. <laughs> if you're trying to catch an animal, you're probably a hunter. And so we have an enemy that sets traps for us. Anybody ever falling, in, falling into a trap the enemy has set for you? Anybody? Everybody? <laughs> and what happens? What happens? Well, here, here's the thing. We have to recognize we have an enemy. I don't preach a whole lot about the devil, but the devil's real. Okay? I'm going to read you a couple of verses and show you that he is the hunter. First Peter 5, 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may, what? Devour. That's not like a nice little, little meal. It's, it's devour. He wants to devour us. And so we have to be sober, we have to be looking, we have to be aware of our surroundings. We have to be watching, we have to have watchmen on the wall. You know, churches, churches divide, churches crumble, churches go to, they, they just go away because watchmen got off of the wall and they begin to look around and not pay attention to what was going on inside the body. And it happens, there are churches, more, probably, more churches are probably going to close during this pandemic than ever in, in, in the history of the United States of America because a lot of them, have, they've, they've drank the Kool-Aid. Shut your doors, B, don't you open those doors, don't you worship. I, I am so thankful for those, those courageous pastors in California that are going against the governor out there. And they're saying, I don't care what the fine is, you can arrest us, you can put us in jail, but we're going to worship the Lord. You can't tell us not to worship God. You can't. It's in the Constitution. You talk, you know, they want to separate church and state until they want to separate church and state. Ah, don't get me on that soapbox. That's why you need to vote. We're going to, in the next few weeks, we're going to have a booth set up out there so you can register to vote. If you're not a registered voter, you need to register to vote. And you need to vote the way God would want you to vote, not the way your mom and your granddaddy told you to vote. Did I say that clear enough? We've got to become vocal. It's because we haven't been vocal that the United States is in the shape it's in today. If my people... Are you his people? I'm his people. Ephesians 6. Listen, why do you think the enemy... Why do you think... Paul would say, put on the armor of God. He says this in 6.11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the what? The wiles of the devil. He is shrewd. He is cunning. He can camouflage things really well. Oh, that's, you know what? You know what the word for camouflage is for the devil? Compromise. Just compromise. When I do premarital counseling, and I've done some this, this week, I always give them the story about Chad and Kristen Huber. I don't know if they're watching or not. They don't live here anymore. They're part of our church when we were just a fledgling little church. Let me tell you the story about Kristen and Chad because they've given me the uh, authorization to do this. They came to our church. We were at the Sheep Run. Anybody remember the Sheep Run? It was a short-lived little tradition in, West, in San Angelo. They were like the running of the sheep, you know, like the running of the bulls over in, yeah. <laughs> we had the running of the sheep. And, man, they are dumb, I'm telling you. Anyway, it ended up at, the, at Fort Concho, and we were there with Wes and Casey, and, and Wes, and, Wes, and Case, uh, Wes knew Kristen uh, Pfluger, and she's uh, now living with Chad Huber. They were not married. They were living together. 
And they were, and Wes started talking to them about Freedom Fellowship. And they said, well, we've been kind of looking for a church. So they, they came and visited Freedom Fellowship. We were in a little building down here, a First Baptist building down here on Chadburn. Oh, I mean, it's tiny. And the first Sunday that they came, they, they got saved. First Sunday. And so about a, two, a few weeks later, I preached a sermon. The tame, name of the sermon was uh, Don't Compromise, Your Faith or Don't Compromise. And she, they went home that day from church, and Kristen looked at Chad. She said, she said, Chad, you know what we're doing? We're living together. We're, we're, you know, we're living together. And we're, we're living together. And what we're doing is compromising. See, the devil wants you to compromise your beliefs. Oh, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. He'll forgive me. He'll forgive me. Preemptive sinning, you know, because you know he'll forgive you. And he said, you're right. So they came to me. They said, Pastor, we need to get married. I said, yeah, you do. I didn't, you know, they, they just, Holy Spirit said, you need to get married. So we had a beautiful wedding, and then they've got kids running out the wazoo. They've been missionaries in Mexico. They serve the Lord faithfully. Their kids are growing up being taught the ways of the Lord because they decided, I'm not going to compromise anymore. That's camouflage. That's what the enemy, that's a trap he sets and says, oh, that's okay. That's what the culture says is fine. The Passion Translation says, uh, instead of the wiles of the devil, I like this. It says the evil strategies of the accuser. Strategies. Do you think he's not? He's strategizing how he can get you and you and you to fall for his schemes. The second thing is the perilous pestilence. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. Now, perilous pestilence, that's pretty interesting too. It can mean a destructive plague like the pandemic, perilous pestilence. But as you dig deeper into the Hebrew, it also can mean false accusation. See? I mean, it does. You just go back to the root word. It talks about the accuser. Who's, well, who's the enemy? He's the accuser of the brethren. And it says, and you will see this a little bit clearer when we get a little bit further down in verses 5 and 6. But just think of perilous pestilence not only as a plague, not only as a disease, but also as accusations that are coming against you, false accusations. Anybody ever accused you falsely of something? It's a not good feeling, is it? You know, I always thought the worst thing, and probably one of the worst things that could ever happen to anybody is to be put in jail for something they didn't do. I just read where they let a, a man out of jail, prison, He'd been 37 years? Is it 37 years? And after all that time, they oh, he was not guilty after all. Ooh, we made a mistake. 37 years of his life. Uh, what, a, what a crushing blow to go to prison for something like that. So we're going to get back in, in 5 and 6. We'll talk a, more, a little bit more about that. But I want to ask you this. When the snare comes, when the pestilence comes, when the accusations come, what, remember we said it's important what you say, what are you speaking when those things come after you? What are you, what are you, what are you speaking into your life or rebuking in, in that other sense of what's coming after you? What are you speaking, what are you rebuking in the process of these things coming after you? Because they're going to come after you. Right? How many of you know that the enemy is coming after you? Listen, at least we have a heads up on that. You know, he isn't going after lost people because he's already got them. People go, well, you know, he probably hangs out at the bars. Now, he hangs out at church. The demons hang out outside. They're waiting outside because, oh, whatever the word, they want to snatch the word as soon as you get outside so y'all can start arguing in the parking lot. 
Some of you will argue where you're going to go to eat. I don't believe where you want to go. Well, where you want to go? Can't just go to Kentucky Fried Chicken. I don't want to go there. Anybody know that one? Honey, wherever you want to go. But I don't want to go there. But anywhere you want to go. Let's go to Outback. No, let's go to Red Lobster. You know. So you start. And the kids are in the back seat going, I thought we were just in church. I know a lot of their arguments stop when you get to the parking lot in the morning. But they start back up in the parking lot sometimes, you know. Come to the parking lot and men, you're just yelling and slinging stuff. You know. Isn't that true? Put on our good faith. I, I kind of like it when people give in their good faith. I don't want, how you doing? Oh, you wouldn't believe Pastor. She was cussing me out in the parking lot. I don't really want to hear that right now. No. Save that for counseling later in the week. Go see Basil. <laughs> Go see Betty. Go see Sandra. <laughs> That's I don't want. No. You know, so much of the stuff that we fall for, it's it's really not so much the devil, it's just us. We get greedy and we get fearful, we get we fall into traps. We fall into traps. The snare of the fowler. So he says, Guess what? I will deliver you from the fair of the snare of the fowler, or the fair of the snowler. <laughs> I'll deliver you from the snare of the fowler. But here's how I'll deliver you. Dwell with me. Say of me, God, you're my deliverer. You're my fortress. You're my strong tower. I'm going to run into you. I'm going to get in the tower. You know, it's not always easy to stand in the midst of pain and declare and decree and to believe in the goodness of God, is it? It's not always easy. I mean, if you think it's just always easy, I like to talk to you because I know people, when you're in pain, physical pain, can I get a witness? Sometimes you just go, God, help me. Where are you? What's going on? Did I deserve this? You know, we do all those things and all of a sudden... We quit declaring and decreeing in the midst of pain. And so that's why we need somebody else declaring and decreeing over us sometimes when we're not even strong enough to do it ourselves. That's why couples, that's why you need the same physically. Sometimes one Another. To stand, but it's essential. I will trust him. Though he slay me, I'm going to trust him because he's he's the one. He's my he's my deliverer. He's my healer. He's my he's my everything. So no matter what you're going through this morning, trust God that he's going to be he's going to deliver you from that. The third thing we want to look at at this one is that we are covered. I lo I love this. We have a ministry at our church called prayer coverings. 
How many of you ever received a prayer blanket from the ministry of prayer? Oh, wow. I, I literally, we haven't kept count, but I think we've given several hundred away. And that's probably being uh, conservative. Several hundred. And they come from this church. They get prayed over. They get anointed with oil. They come and, and they go all over the country, all over the world. They, we sent them literally all over the world. Coverings. He's our covering. Look at 91.4. He shall cover you. This is, the, this is the what I put on every sack that I get to decorate. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. That's what I put. And the rest of it is, his truth shall be your shield and buckler. Let me read that again. He, God, shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His, tr his truth shall be your shield and buckler. Now that's a metaphor, of course. God's not a bird. It's a metaphor. God is represented as a bird more more than likely an eagle. Sheltering young chicks under his wing. Psalm 91, Dave, King David said this in Psalm uh, 61. For you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the, from the enemy. I will abide, say abide. That means to remain. I will abide in your tabernacle, tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your what? Your wings. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. Then he says, Selah, which means to rest. Have you ever thought you were covered by insurance? And the fine print said, you're not covered. Anybody? It's not a good feeling, is it? But when we know that we know that we know that we're his, that we belong to God, he says, I have got you covered. I've got you under my wing. I'm going to hold tight to you. Now, what can change that when we run away from him? When we run out from under his wings. In other words, we say, I don't trust you. You can't get me through this. He's going to go, okay. Now, you're still saved, but you're going to reap some, you're going to reap some discipline from the Lord from running, running away from the protection. Right? Because he says, he who what? Dwells. He who dwells, he who abides. And listen, we have, we still have free will. We can say, God, I got this one. And he says, okay, if you think so. And he'll let you do your own thing. How many of you have wandered away from God before? Okay. Did you have, were there consequences? Yes. You know why there were consequences? Because he, L-O-V-E-S, he loves you. He says he disciplines those he's lo that he loves. He wants you to come back because he knows that only he can really protect us. And why we would run away from his protection is beyond me, but we all do that. Matthew 7, listen. I didn't give this scripture to, to Lisa or to, to Richard. But in Matthew 7, 20, I think it's 21, people were, you know, Jesus said they're going to be, in the last days, people would come to me or at the end, when, before the judgment, they're going to come to me and they'll say, well, didn't I cast out demons in your name? Didn't I do wonders in your name? Do it? Didn't I do all these incredible things in your name? And Jesus is going to say, hmm, don't know you. Depart from me. You practice lawlessness. He's going to say, the worst, the worst thing that you can ever hear from Jesus is, I never knew you. That's the worst thing you can ever hear from him. So the thing is, if you don't know you're his, you need to know that you're His. That's why, we had a, that's why we have what we call invitations here, to come to know Jesus Christ like Aaron did last week. Because you don't want to get 
to the, that day of judgment and God says, hmm, I don't know you. But, 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 but I was at church. I went to Freedom Fellowship a few times. I walked the aisle. I got, I got baptized. He said, I don't know you. You never, you never, you never gave your life to me. He who dwells is covered. So you want, you want to get your fire insurance, but you want to get more protection than that. Amen? You're in good hands. At the end, we have in 15 minutes. <laughs> Just give us 15 minutes like Geico asked, and we'll get you saved. Okay? talk about being under his wings and Matthew this is another one of those verses that you want to make sure you're saved because Jesus said this in Matthew 23 37 oh Jerusalem Jerusalem the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her how often I want to gather your children together as hen as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings but you were not willing You have free will. Say, I have free will. God will not make you get saved. You won't. You have to make a decision. Free will. Getting that petition signed? Woo! It's in the fourth section now. We're going to keep our parking. What'd you say? Oh. <laughs> When in doubt, say hallelujah. <clears throat> the fourth one is our shield and buckler. So again, people are kind of going, we, most of us know what a shield is, but not everybody knows what a buckler is. <clears throat> four says, he shall cover you with his feathers. Under his wings you shall take refuge. And he his truth, say truth. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. Now, when you look at truth in the Hebrew, this is what truth means. God's truth is his firmness, his faithfulness, his reliability, and his stability. His truth. Marilyn and I were talking about that this morning. Our God never changes. I am the Lord thy God. I do not change. Everything changes around us. Everything changes. But God doesn't change. He's, he's, that, he's the rock. that He doesn't change. So we can count on him. If his word said it then, his word means it now. He doesn't change. He is our shield. His truth is our shield and our buckler. Now, the shield here is one of those big, gigantic shields. How many of you like you watch those, those movies with, with Robin Hood and, and they have the masses of the people coming and they, they all march forward and they have those great big shields. And they, they get down like this and they pull that shield up and, and the fiery, they'll shoot the fiery uh, arrows and they come in, bam, 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 bam. Most of them had some kind of a, a leather on the front. The, the arrows would stick and then they would, they would flame out. He's talking about a big shield that covers. He said, my truth, listen, my truth will be your shield and buckler. Now, what do I say every Sunday? How do you, how do you get under the shield if you don't know his truth? What's his truth? His word. We talked about that last week. You've got to know his word. So his word, his faithfulness, his firmness, his stability, all these things cover us when we're in a battle. And we're all in a battle. 
Now he said there's also the shield and then there's a buckler. And we used to do is you look at the Hebrew a buckler, it means the same thing as the shield. It means a big shield. But it also means in other other instances, it means one of those little round shields that you put on your wrist or your arm like that. Have you ever seen them like that? They got that round shield? Like not like Captain America, he throws his. But you know, it's just one of those shields. So you've got a big shield and you got a little shield. And I think of that little shield as just like walking through and the enemy's throwing things at you and just bang, bang, bang. You just bounce it off like Superman does the bullets, right? You just bounce off. We have to have the shields. We have to walk under the shadow. We have to stay under his wings. Listen, all these scriptures are saying what? Get close to God and stay there. Get close to his word and stay there. Get close in prayer and stay there. Get Fellowship with other believers and stay there. Don't get outside the rim because if you get outside the rim, outside the shield, listen, the enemy has a free shot at you. And he's, he's pretty good with that bow and arrow. Whatever he shoots at us, it's a fiery darts. But it says in the he, Ephesians 6, it will quench every fiery dart of the enemy. Every fiery dart. No fear. Number five. We're good. Verse 5. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. During this pandemic, everybody's been quoting 2 Timothy 1.7. Right? You know what I'm talking about? For God did not give us what? But? It's power, love, and a sound mind. Puts power before love. I, I don't know if it does. God did not give you. Say, God did not give me a spirit of fear. So fear is a what? Spirit. Okay? So if God didn't give us a spirit of fear, he gave us what? A spirit of faith or power, love, sound mind. God has something good to give you. The enemy wants to give you fear. So we quote this all the time. God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. And yet we walk around afraid. We walk around scared. And I'm not talking about wisdom. I know there's a difference between wisdom and fear. But some people are just, I'm not, uh-uh. I just can't move. I'm paralyzed because of fear. Fear is, a, is, is such a damaging spirit. It goes against the very fiber of faith that God's put in you. He want, the fear wants to wipe away all of your confidence in God. And he says, God did not give us that spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound mind. Listen, deep fear speaks of a lack of trust in God. I'm not talking about your everyday, um, I'm a, you see a snake, ah, you know, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about everything that is around you, you're fearful of. You can't walk out your door without being afraid. You have a phobia about everything. You've got, you've got the whole list. Deep fear speaks of a lack of trust in God. If God truly is our shelter, our protector, our refuge, our strength, then should, whom should we fear? Look at Psalm 27.1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Throughout Scripture, God said, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. 
And yet the enemy says, be afraid, be afraid, be afraid. God doesn't got you on this one. He hasn't got you covered on that one. But my God says, I've got you covered even with pestilence, with a deadly plague. I've got you covered. Listen, either his word is true or it isn't. Either it's true or it isn't. You can say, well, I believe the word's true. Then you walk out of here fearful and then you're not allowing the word to be a part, an integral part of your life and bring faith to you. It's just, it's either true. If you believe it or you don't. And some of you go, well, I believe, help my unbelief. That, that's okay, but if you're truly asking for him to help you in your unbelief, then you need to receive what he's going to give you to help you in your unbelief. You just need to. And I say this every week. I want to give you another scripture, Psalm 119.11. Your word I have hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. you say, well, what do you mean sin against you? You're talking about fear. Fear is sin. Worry is sin. You know why? Because it says what is not of faith is not of God. If it's, if it's not of faith, it's not of God. So anytime we're worrying and fearful and all that, we're walking in sin. We're walking in doubt and unbelief. God can't, God can't, came, he can't come through on this one. Surely not God wouldn't help me on this one. And so you walk through all life with fear and worry and doubt. Jesus said, don't worry about anything. Philippians says, don't worry about anything. And yet we worry about everything. I haven't quoted Charles Spurgeon in a long time. This is good. Charles Spurgeon said this. Not to be afraid is in itself an unspeakable blessing. Did y'all want to hear what I just said? Not to be afraid is in itself an unspeakable blessing. Any of you have really battled fear? Come on, in worry. If you, if you battle it, maybe you're battling it now and God's giving you this. He's got a word for you today. If you battled it before, but you've you stepped out of it. You know what I'm talking about? All of a sudden you're like, whew, man. This feels good. I've been blessed. I, I'm, not, I'm not worried about the bills. I'm not worried about this. I'm not stressing about this. I'm not stressing about my kids. I've just given everything to Jesus, and he's taking care of things just like he said he would. It's an unspeakable blessing. Then he goes on to say, Since for every suffering which we endure from real injury, we are tormented by a thousand griefs which arise from fear only. Tormented by a thousand griefs that rise up from fear alone. I don't know who wrote this, who said it, but I believe it. 80% of the things we worry about never come to pass. 80%. We worry about things that just don't matter. God says, give that to me. Don't worry, don't be fearful, I've got you. But see, when you stop dwelling with him, when you get out from under his wings, you know, that's when worry steps in. That's when fear creeps in because you're not trusting him. Got kind of quiet here. Worry is not a fun subject. That was supposed to be a joke. Lighten up. Because most people worry. All right, here, show of hands. How many of you are warriors? Ooh, sinners! <laughs> now, God didn't want you to worry. 
See, when you rose your hand, you said, you know, worry, maybe a little too much. It's just a trust issue. Can God take care of that? You bet he can. And you know how he takes care of a trust issue? He wants you just to trust him. <laughs> Sounds so, so elementary. But God didn't make it complicated. We did. Okay? You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor the destruction that lays waste at noonday. There's an acronym for fear. It's called false evidence appearing real. Have you heard that one? False evidence appearing real. And the devil's really good with taking those things and running with them. He's really good at accusing us of our failures, our sins, our shortcomings. Anybody been accused lately of your failures by the enemy? He accuses us all the time. You know what my answer is to that? Did you know you can actually agree with the enemy? There's a, there's a scripture that backs it up. I didn't look it up. But you can agree with your adversary. Listen, if he tells you you screwed up or you messed up, you know what you can say? Hey, you're right, devil. But guess what? I'm covered by the blood. Yeah, yeah, I messed up. Hey, do we mess up? I mean, is anybody in here just perfect? I'd like to get to know you. Actually, I wouldn't. <laughs> I'd be kind of a leery of you. Because then the next thing I know, you're starting a cult somewhere. <laughs> I am the Messiah. We have a response when the enemy accuses us. I'm a child of the king. Doesn't mean we shouldn't repent. We should repent. Put his foot on our head. Not the other way around. So you just need to be bold when he... When he accuses you, and even if he's on, if he's telling the truth about what you just did, you see, I know, but I'm covered. I'm under his wing. The devil only gains a foothold when we give up and we agree with him and don't repent. Second Corinthians five twenty one, for he Jesus made him, for God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Our righteousness is what? It's filthy rags. Our righteousness. But we're covered by His righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness, what He puts on us. That's why we're covered. The enemy will come against us. That birth, those two verses I just read, Really, all that means is he's going to come against you with everything he has and every angle he can think of to get you to walk away, to quit, to give up. But even Jesus said in John 16, 33, these things that I've spoken to you, he's talking about the persecution that they were going to endure. He said that in me, you may have peace in the world. You're going to have tribulation. In the world, you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. 